This is VLX number 99, Compassion on the Multitudes. We are in Matthew chapter 15, verses 32 to 39. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina, the online patristic Bible study and Ignatian mental prayer. God give you his peace. In nomine Patris Sifidit, Spiritu Santi, Amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. So let's do a quick review of Matthew 15 to see how we got up to this point. Remember, this is a very action-packed chapter. First, at the beginning of Matthew 15, Jesus caught the Pharisees playing games with the commandments, especially the fourth commandment. Talked about korban, that kind of analogy I gave about, uh, say, a modern priest playing golf and never giving any money to his starving parents, playing games of the fourth commandment there. Then, in the next section of Matthew 15, we learned all about what Jesus meant with this line, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then, in the next section, we see this non-Jewish woman with a possessed daughter. Possessed daughter is not in the scene. The woman comes to Jesus, and it almost seems like Jesus is there to tease her. But remember, she says, Lord, Lord, help me. And he answers, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Uh, But really, this isn't a teaser, but to tease out of her a faith so great that even the apostles are going to be left speechless. Then next, we come to this foothill near Lake Tiberias. And right there, Jesus heals all the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And now today, we are in a desolate spot. That word in Greek for desolate or wilderness is aramia, which is usually, yeah, it usually is desert in Greek. But you have to remember, in Greek and Russian, often they use the word wilderness to, to refer to any wild places, not just the desert. Uh, that could include, in Greek, Mount Athos. It could even include the forests of northern Russia, this word wilderness. So wilderness, in its most broad use, is um, anywhere that's wild. But probably today, it's literally the desert, um, at least a place with almost no population. We are going to see later why this is so important, why there's mostly men there and not women or children. Okay, let's jump into the first verse. It says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Okay, the uh, Dewey Rhymes Bible today is compassion on the multitudes here in Matthew 15, verse 32. And I like that translation more than the ESV and the NIV, so I called today's VLX, Video Lexu Divina 99. Right after that, compassion on the multitudes. 
But notice, if you look at the Greek, compassion here is a verb, not a noun. He compassioned them, literally. But remember, we actually studied this word before. But this time, it's in the first person present. Splachitnomai. Splachnitomai means I feel for them or I have mercy to my very bowels. Remember, we talked about how that word splache is guts. And that wasn't an exaggeration. It's literally your bowels or your guts, if you remember from that previous VLE. So really, it's no exaggeration or showing off with the Greek or something to say. Jesus is literally saying here, I love them from my guts. That's the Greek. Okay, what are these people doing here? Well, this is basically this pilgrimage or this rural religious revival here in the desert, or at least a very wild place with very few people. And notice, why did they come out here? These people just longed and hungered more for Jesus than they longed and hungered for food. Because they went on this three days journey without food just to see Jesus. Father Lapide says, the crowds were so intent upon Christ's doctrine that they even forgot their food. That's Father Lapide. The crowds were so intent upon Christ's doctrine that they even forgot their food. And he adds that we see, quote, Christ's untiring work and love for them in that for three whole days without rest, refreshment, or sleep, he preaches and heals whatever sick people there are in the crowd, end quote. So you might want to, you know, if you're doing the imaginative way, um, Picture Jesus looking out on this hot, sunny day in the desert or the wilderness after healing all these people and then also preaching to them the doctrine of the kingdom, how to love God more, how to love man better. And now, even now, he's looking for ways to reward their diligence by even planning this miracle of food, this multiplication of food for all these hungry people. Why is he going to do this? Well, it's not just because they're poor or this really false notion that he just wants to teach people how to share. That's not why Christ is going to do this. Remember, they're here for his doctrine and they're here for his miracles, not to learn how to share. Because um, Christ is about to work an enormous miracle. Um, and remember, not that God always functions tit for tat all the time, but we do see he does more frequently reward those who are seeking him. Hence, people who would go out fasting in the desert for three days, they get all the doctrine and the miracles and the teachings. And, about this, and then we're going to see this giant miracle of the multiplication of food again. And as I said before, I mean, how do you apply this to your own life? Well, you can ask yourself, am I willing to go to the tabernacle to see this same Jesus? Whether that tabernacle is open or closed, am I willing to have even nothing to eat like this crowd in the desert? Uh, they were so hungry for the truth, and now Jesus is going to reward them with the truth and healing and food. And remember, sometimes we picture Jesus only concerned with our souls, but look at this great compassion even on their bodies. He says, or Jesus says today, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Okay, then the next verse we have, and the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. Now remember, in Matthew 14, if this sounds familiar, it should, because this was just a few VLXs ago. Remember, Matthew 14, we got 5,000 people fed with five loaves and two fish. Today is Matthew 15, just one chapter later, slightly less people, 4,000 people, and they're going to be fed with seven loaves and a few fish. So the obvious question the modern biblical scholar wants to ask is, is this, is this the same event? Well, of course not. I mean, if Matthew were this shyster trying to make a false history, he simply would have left out uh, a similar miracle because it sounds so much like the other one. Father Lapide adds, quote, 
Christ wanted to vary the number, both of the loaves and of the people fed, so that one miracle might not seem to be the same as the other, but rather two, end quote. And remember, of course, Jesus knows how many loaves and fish they have, but he wants them to see what great things he can do with so little. And the next line, And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. Now, especially if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, as you sit down, listen to this line. It's, it sounds a little bit weird, but it's very beautiful. Father Lapide says, Sitting in that manner and place, as was the custom of those who dined, but without tables or vessels, as it was done in the state of the law of nature in the time of Adam. For Christ feeds his followers to sufficiency according to their need, and not for pleasure and excess. So what Father Lapide is saying right there is a few things. One, Jesus is bringing people to the garden of Adam and Eve, essentially, sitting on the ground. There weren't tables, but that doesn't mean they were just primitive slobs. There's a, uh, there's a beauty and a solemnity to all of this, um, but gluttony isn't part of that. And that's why he says right here that Christ feeds for their need and not for pleasure and excess. Now, how did Jesus do this? This is a really important question, and we actually already covered a couple of these quotes from Matthew 14. But if you're doing the imaginative way, or even if you're not, pay special attention on how this happened, because we have to ask ourselves, what did they see in this miracle of the multiplication of food and fish? The answer is basically, well, the exact machinery of it all was hidden from them, but somehow they saw it happen anyway. Listen to what Father Lapide has to say. Therefore, Christ, by this benediction, endued these loaves with a certain virtue, not physical but moral, that is to say, he ordained and appointed them for miraculous multiplication, whereby he placed his hand, as it were, his own divine power upon the loaves, that they should straightway be really multiplied. And this indeed he did by converting the neighboring atmosphere, or some other material gradually, but imperceptibly and continuously into bread while the loaves were being distributed. For God creates no thing anew out of nothing, obviously besides the time of creation is what he means, but produces and transforms all things from the manner which was created at the beginning of the world. In a similar manner, he multiplied the meal and the oil of the widow of Sarapha for the sake of Elias, and again for the sake of Eliseus, that these loaves were most excellent and endowed with great power to nourish, strengthen, and cheer those who were provided with them is plain from all this that they were divine loaves, miraculously produced by Christ, for all God's works are perfect. St. John Chrysostom says, Those five loaves were multiplied in the hands of the disciples and gushed forth after the manner of a fountain. St. Hilary says, Fragments succeed fragments, and the pieces broken off continually escape the notice of those who break them. St. Ambrose says, How by a certain incomprehensible irrigation in the hands of those who were dividing the loaves, the particles that they had not yet broken were fructified, and the fragments imperceptibly and spontaneously became whole again in the fingers of those who broke them, after the manner in which we see fountains of water flow continuously, and whatever you take away from them is restored by some usurious movement. And then the next line, And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Now remember in VLX on Matthew 14 with that feeding of the 5,000, men counted, men were counted in these numbers by St. Matthew and not the women. Why? Was this because the gospel writers were misogynists? No, Father Lapid already showed us in this previous one, it's because it was mostly men there. 
Now, okay, why was it mostly men there? Because like I said, this was an intense pilgrimage to the desert that lasted days. This was this really intense uh, desert religious revival. And women, first of all, Father Lapidus says, probably couldn't make that trek without all the food. You have to remember, these were <laughs> days when men were probably better at suffering than, than nowadays. Um, but also, you have to remember that uh, women mostly took care of the kids. It doesn't mean men were absent. It doesn't mean women weren't expected to do any religious thinking. I'm not saying that. But women, 2,000 years ago, actually, amazingly, took care of the kids. So they couldn't necessarily come out there. Also, I was talking about uh, VLX, the one that we did on Matthew 14 with this multiplication of food to a layman uh, scripture scholar who's married. And he said something I totally forgot since I'm not married. He pointed out the biology of men and women is very different in a three-day religious festival. Um, there were no porta potties out there. So it's further reason why a religious pilgrimage in the desert would have been, well, slightly more immodest for women than men out there. So when we hear there were 4,000 men without women and children, this isn't misogynistic. This is more biological than sociological. And let's go back to verse 36 for a minute. It says, Jesus took the loaves and, quote, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples, end quote. Now, the verb there for give thanks is eucharistisas, where we get the English word, obviously, eucharist. Of course, every time we receive Holy Communion, we should give thanks. As, as everybody out there knows, this word eucharistisas means he gave thanks. But the reason I don't want you to get too excited about this connection, this verb here in verse 36, eucharistisas, and the fact that he has bread in his hands, why, don't, why shouldn't you get too excited about this in a sacramental mindset? Because this was not a Eucharistic meal. Jesus did not turn these loaves into the Eucharist despite the word connection, which is cool, yes, but it's not a sacramental connection. He just gave thanks, which is awesome. But too many Catholics today think that any reference to bread in the Bible is automatically a reference to the Holy Eucharist. It's not. Why? Because today this is a miracle of bread. The Eucharist is not a miracle of bread. The Eucharist used to be bread, but at the words of consecration, the bread becomes the body of Jesus and the wine becomes the blood of Jesus. In other words, immediately following the words of consecration, but before the priest consumes the body and the blood of Jesus, there is no bread or wine left on the altar. There's no bread or wine left on the altar. That's the miracle of transubstantiation. The doctrine of transubstantiation teaches that all the bread at Mass on the altar at the words of the priest's consecration, when he says, hoc est enim corpus meum, now substantially becomes the body of Jesus hidden under the accidents or species of bread. But it's not bread anymore. And all the wine is then substantially, at that moment, the blood of Jesus hidden under the accidents or species of wine, but it's not wine anymore as that priest lowers the chalice. Now, this next line is just to help you understand a little bit better. I've never heard this from a saint or a church father. This is only my own description, so take it with a grain of salt. I'm totally open to theological correction if I'm wrong on this description. But here's how I describe it. Before Mass, the bread is literally bread, and then maybe in some symbolic way, it's the body of Jesus, just symbolically. Whereas at Mass, that is, after the consecration but before consumption, the host is now literally the body of Jesus, and only symbolically bread in some sense, as it was once bread, but it will never be bread again. Now, I admit that's not perfect theology since this symbolism I'm referring to, it's super subjective, maybe even referring to how unbelievers would see it. But I'm going to say it again anyway. Before Mass, the bread is literally bread, but symbolically the body of Jesus. Whereas at Mass, the host becomes literally the body of Jesus, but is only then symbolically bread. 
In other words, there's no bread left on the altar at Mass. So I don't think we should ever call the Eucharist bread. Which brings us back to today's VLX. Yes, Jesus took bread and gave thanks, and the word for thanks there is Eucharist. But realize the Catholic Church teaches definitively today in Matthew 15, this was not the Eucharist. This was not a Eucharistic miracle. This has nothing to do with the Mass except perhaps symbolically for the future. And also, you probably all know this, but uh, the first time Jesus turned bread into his own body was the Last Supper. And we're still many chapters from this. We're still a year out from this happening in this VLX series. But maybe I shouldn't say it's obvious because not all Catholics seem to understand this now. You know, the prefect for the Congregation of Divine Worship of the Vatican recently said, and this is a direct quote, get this, quote, So, Traditionus Custodius is really a call to take the unity of the Church, our being together for the celebration of the breaking of the bread and the prayer very, very seriously indeed, end quote. Did you hear that? He called the Mass the breaking of the bread. <laughs> that is total heresy. That is a Protestant notion that the Mass equals breaking bread. Why is that a heresy? Because as I just proved, there is no bread left on the altar at Mass between the words of consecration and the consummation of the Holy Eucharist of the priest and whoever else receives. So this is why I'm really hesitant for people to make Eucharistic connections between today's miracle of the multiplication of loaves and the Eucharist, even though there is that connecting word of the Greek being used and that's really cool. That's good that we all know that that word is Eucharist right there. But it's not like, um, well, I'll put it this way. None of the fathers, East or West, hold that Jesus today in this miracle of the multiplication of food, none of the fathers, East or West, hold that Jesus gave the Eucharist to these crowds of unbaptized people. Yes, this was an awesome miracle day, a great miracle, but it was not the miracle of transubstantiation. Okay, and that's all we got today. Just two really quick public service announcements. Um, first is I may not get back to every uh, comment on YouTube, but I do try to read those, so thanks for um, leaving those. I have, as of 2022 beginning, been getting back to every email. You can find that on the, you can find my email address on the donate section of my blog. You don't have to donate to me, of course, to write me an email. I'll, I'll still get back to you. I do apologize to everyone who wrote me in 2021 and I didn't get back to them on email, but again, I will get back to you in 2022. My email is on my donate page. You don't have to donate to me to write me on that, but I do thank uh, all my donors for keeping my life uh, possible. So thanks for listening. Please say an Our Father for me at Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descended super vos et maniat semper. Amen.